share that with you because I think that's just, we were just talking about it. I think that's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a, it's a big moment for us. Um, he really is sort of the grandfather of the prosperity gospel. So hearing him say that is a good thing. Um, and he said, it's funny, and I never thought I would play a Benny Hinn clip in church. <laughs> but one of the things he said is, if you're not giving out of love for Jesus, don't give. And what we say around here, uh, because giving's not bad, giving's good, but you have to give with a biblical mindset, a biblical perspective in a way that honors Christ. So we around here say, um, if you're, you know, if you're going to give, give cheerfully and give whatever you can give cheerfully. And that's sort of the rule, right? Is to, that's how you honor Jesus with it. Um, and every week people give really, really faithfully to the church and cheerfully and, and generously. And, um, and I get a front row seat to see how those things play out from the the big obvious things, like did you see the signs, the signs that's starting, it's not done yet, so don't worry. Um, but the sign that's going to go up on the building, there's some signs inside the building. We had a wedding here yesterday, which was really great. Um, the, the, to the things that you probably really don't see, like the counseling that I get to do and the discipleship that happens during the week, um, I, get a, I get to see how Jesus is being honored uh, because of the the. the the generous and faithful and cheerful uh, uh, finances that, that God provides to you and then you give back to him. I, I see that all the time. And I, I know that you don't necessarily see that the way that I do, but I see it all the time. There is one thing that I, that I have never seen before that happened on Sunday. Someone put a counterfeit bill in the, Liz, Liz Keller. Can you go get the counterfeit bill? Can you go get it? Someone put a counterfeit bill in the offering. It's pretty good. I mean, it's not, it's not good, but it was a pretty good counterfeit. Bonita noticed that it's not exactly straight. <laughs> but you know who noticed it first? The teller at the bank. <laughs> yeah. Throw, throw a quick prayer over toward Michael Splickle for what he had to go through at the bank walking in with counterfeit money. Um, but yeah, she felt it and said, whoop, that's not real. And then she oh, it scanned it and marked it with the marker. And uh, here's a, this is a counterfeit bill. It's a $5 bill. It's pretty good. But when you mark it with that counterfeit marker, it's supposed to be light. It's supposed to be yellow. If it's dark, it means it's not real. And this, this one came out as not real. Can I pass it around so you can see it? Is that okay? Don't walk away with it. <laughs> you will get in trouble. But yeah, just so you can see. Um, and if you take a dollar out to compare it, you're going to have to put that dollar in the off. I'm just kidding. So... Just, just uh, pass it around. But listen, it's, what's crazy is that I found out this week that um, counterfeit fives have been on the rise because people check the hundreds and they check the fifties and they'll even check the twenties. But guess what they don't check? The fives. No one's going to check a five. 
And so they've been becoming more and more popular. They're under the radar. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about being vigilant. We're going to talk about making sure that nothing gets under our radar in our faith and making sure that every part of our faith is genuine and is honoring to God. Nothing is counterfeit about about our our spiritual walk with Jesus. We're going to be looking at the beginning of Philippians chapter 3. If you're using the Bibles under the chairs, it's on page 981. So get those out. It's also um, in the bulletin. It's part of your outline, and it'll come up on the screens as we go. We're not going to get very far. If you uh, were not joining us for the beginning of the series, Philippians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Philippi. So it's to the Philippians. And he's been encouraging them to live for Christ, to live in Christ, to make sure that he is guiding them and that, that, that they're making their lives entirely about him. So let me start in Philippians chapter 3. This is verse 1, but our focus is going to be on verses Three and four. So here's verse one. It says, verse one says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Here's verse two. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Paul has spent the first two chapters of this letter encouraging them to live in Christ, to live for Christ. Your life is no longer yours if you've given your life to Jesus. Live for him then, live like him. Your life belongs to him. Live with humility, put others first, be faithful, have confidence in every situation because you've been faithful. Be brave when you're facing opponents because you will. And now in chapter 3, he tells them in, to, in living for Christ, in living in Christ, to be safe by being vigilant, to be on the lookout. He says, watch out. Look out really is like beware. Beware of the dogs. He mentions three things, the dogs, the evildoers, and those who mutilate the flesh. But before we get into the particular three things, verse three tells us who he's talking about because there's one group of people that he's talking about. In verse three, it says, for we are the circumcision. He says, look out for the dogs and the evildoers and those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He's talking, this warning to the Philippians is about the Jews who have rejected Jesus and rejected the gospel. In the first century, most of the early Christians came out of Judaism. They were, they were Jews. And the Jews who rejected Jesus saw Christianity as some sort of weird combination of Judaism plus the teachings of this man Jesus and it's a it's a corruption it's a perversion of what God wants that's how Jews saw it so when Jews bumped into Christians there was some animosity there was some tension the Jews would say things like you 
you know, you're Jewish, even though you like Jesus, you're still Jewish, and God commanded us to follow these cleanliness laws and to uh, observe these rituals and these festivals and to uh, maintain these things and uh, temple sacrifice and, and all of those things. And you still need to be doing those things because God literally told us we, we, we are supposed to do those. And he hasn't changed his mind about that. God never told us not to do those things anymore. So maybe you like Jesus, but you still need to be keeping all of these things that God told us in scripture. Paul is aware of this, and so he addresses it here in the letter to the Philippians with not a soft warning, with a huge, aggressive warning. Beware! He's, not, he's saying, be on the lookout. Be watchful. Look out for these people. These people are, the first thing, look out for the dogs, they're dogs. Now, each of these three things, dogs and evildoers and those who mutilate the flesh, they're, uh, they are ironic. They're, uh, Paul is taking something that the Jews took pride in and is turning it against them. So for the dogs, the Jews took great pride in their cleanliness. The whole idea behind the various ceremonial and ritual things that they would do to uh, keep themselves clean was so that they can be right with God. There were rules about how to wash your hands and cut your nails, how to prepare your food, what not to eat, what not to wear, uh, when to wash your clothes, all so that they can be seen as clean before God. It's a big deal to them. And at the same time, dogs for Jews in the first century were seen as unclean. They're scavengers. They're unclean animals. And Jews very often, in fact, in the Bible a few times, refer to Gentiles as dogs. So when a Jew would call someone a dog, he was, he was talking about a Gentile. But Paul tells the Philippians, beware of these Jews who have rejected Jesus because now, what makes us clean? Is it the ceremonial, ritual things that we do? No. Under the gospel, Jesus makes, his, makes us clean by his blood. His blood washes us and forgives us so that we can be as, seen as clean before God. It is not about the way that you wash your hands. It is about the status of your soul. And the only thing that can make us clean before God is Jesus. So for Jews that have rejected Jesus, and they're telling you you still have to follow all of their rituals for cleanliness, that is not making you right before God. Those people that are telling you to do that, they're the Gentiles now. They're the ones, they're the dogs. Look out for the dogs. That's, that means look out for the Gentiles, but he's talking about the Jews. It's a very sharp criticism. One commentary I was reading said you could not have, have fashioned something that would have hurt a first century Jew more than calling them a dog. 
but we're just getting started. Next up, the evildoers. Jews also took great pride in that they have and follow the law, the law of Moses. That's how they know they're righteous. They're the only ones that have the rule book. They have the rule book so they know how to follow the rules so they can be right with God. But if you read the Bible, you will find places like Romans 3, verse 20, which says, by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Paul tells the Philippians, beware of the Jews who ground their righteousness in keeping the law, because guess what? They don't actually keep the law. The law doesn't allow us to be righteous. It just shows us when we aren't righteous. That's what Paul says. So these, the, the people that are telling you, you still need to be doing all these things. You need to still be doing all of these things. And they're trying to reorient you back to the law. Beware of them. Because they're not following the law. And they've rejected Jesus who is the only one who gives us actual forgiveness. The law reveals their sin and they've rejected salvation, which simply leaves them as people who don't quite follow the law and have not been forgiven. So don't listen to them. They're not the ones to follow. Next up, those who mutilate the flesh. Now, in your outline, I, I titled this as the mutilation, and that's because that's what it says in Greek. It says, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, and beware of the mutilation. Mutilation in Greek, the Greek word, rhymes with the Greek word for circumcision. So he's making a little bit of a... It's, it's clear when we look at it right now because of the way that they've translated it, that the, those who mutilate the flesh is a reference to circumcision, especially when you get to, for we are the circumcision, that they, he's talking about circumcision there. And he's going right at it. You see, circumcision was incredibly important to the Jews. It is the visible sign of their relationship with God. It says we are his people. They took great pride in being the people of the circumcision. And at the same time, in the Old Testament, physical mutilation, cutting, branding, things like that, is a sign of idolatry. So Paul calls their circumcision mutilation because it is no longer marking you as God's people. That's the message uh, about the Jews, that it, that circumcision as a practice once you've rejected jesus it doesn't establish you as being part of god's plan god's plan is exclusively following following jesus so people who are still practicing circumcision paul says they're just mutilating the flesh they're not it's not real circumcision, it's just cutting. Does that make sense? You're not, you're not doing the thing that you think that you're doing. So he says, beware of the people who mutilate the flesh. Beware of the mutilation. 
Now, Paul, Paul had Timothy circumcised. Paul is not against circumcision. Understand, he's not, he's not just against circumcision. What he's against is just circumcision. He's against the idea that these things establish your relationship with the Lord. Because they've rejected Jesus means that they don't have an established good relationship with the Lord, period. So Paul took three things that the Jews were proud of and he said, because they've rejected Jesus, those things don't count the way that they used to. Don't listen to them. They're gonna lead you astray. They're trying to lead you somewhere other than closer to Jesus. Those Jews had found a sense of security in their traditions. They were just, they were just doing what they've always done. I get that, right? hey, I grew up like this and this is what we do and we've just always done that. But sometimes when you walk, in, even in your faith, when you walk, you get so focused on your walk that you forget who you're following. And that's Paul's criticism against the Jews is that they just kept doing what they'd always done and they were more worried about what they're doing than who they were following. The way that I wrote it in your outline is the Jews had got so caught up in following their customs that they lost track of God. And that is a criticism that we all need to be very careful about because how many of us have customs and traditions and things that we grew up with and things that we've always done? We can never let those things become more important than Jesus. I don't want to lose track of God. Do you? We all need to be really careful. So what's the solution? Verse 3 says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Really, this is telling you that there are three things that mark true, genuine living in Christ. We worship by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God, and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. I think you can break those out into three things, maybe two, maybe three, but really there's one big point that's being made here, one big point. Paul is warning the Philippians against anything that gets in Jesus' way. How do we make sure, okay, so it's a, let this be scary to you. The idea that the Jews were following God, were part of his, what he wanted, were, were doing what he wanted, and that they were, they're the good guys. They're the good guys. And then all of a sudden, one day, Jesus comes and says, follow me. And they go, nah, we're just going to keep doing this thing that we've always done. And they fail to see God, what God is doing, and they just keep doing what they're doing rather than following what God is doing. And all of a sudden, they end up on the other side, and one day, they, one day Paul is saying, you're the Gentiles. Because you're no longer following God. 
You're just following yourselves. That, that could be very scary to us because we're the good guys, right? Well, we're only the good guys when we keep following Jesus. We don't follow a teaching. We don't follow dance steps. We follow a teacher. We follow Jesus dynamically wherever he calls us to go. Somebody say amen. Wherever he calls us to go. And if we're following him, we're always going to follow him. If we're following ourselves in our own patterns, we could get lost. And we have to be very careful. The solution is to worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. To not have confidence in what I'm doing, but to only be confident in that I can follow Jesus and what he's doing. We believe in Jesus. We believe in his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. We believe in his glorious return one day. Beware of anything that leads you away from placing all of your confidence in Jesus Christ alone. Genuine faith that honors God puts Jesus first and second and third and fourth and fifth. And if there's anything that competes with what Jesus wants you to do, kill it. Get rid of it. Cut it out. If your eye causes you to sin, it would be better for you to get rid of it. Don't cut your eye out. But if anything leads you differently from Jesus, get rid of it. Forget about it. Because it's only about him. Live for Christ. Live in Christ. No customs get in the way. No traditions. No comfort levels. Guys, Jesus does not care about your comfort level. If Jesus tells you to go and you go, I don't know, I'm not super comfortable with that. Paul's in prison. And he's telling us this. He doesn't care about your comfort level. He cares about his glory. And you have to trust that following him will lead to good things for him. We don't get to put our traditions in the way. We don't get to follow the, uh, I grew up like this. No excuses. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, another of Paul's letters, he said, we destroy, we lay waste to everything that's raised against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to obey Christ. That's how to follow Jesus. That's how we make sure that we aren't following him one day and then all of a sudden wake up one day and realize we're not following him anymore. Like what happened to the Jews in the first century. We let Jesus be king over every part of our lives by himself. So here's the question. I think for the most part, we're probably pretty good. 
at uh, the big issues. You know, we pay attention to the things that are going on with like homosexuality in our culture. We pay attention to the things that are going on with same-sex marriage. Let's call those $100 issues. We're pretty good at those. No one's going to sneak those in, right? We're vigilant. I guarantee the devil would love to win some $100 issues. Do you know what I'm talking about? I guarantee he would love to win some of those issues. But I bet he's not counting on it. I bet he's counting on winning those $5 issues. The ones that nobody's really checking. The ones that people don't really talk about. We have to be faithful to Jesus at the $100 level, at the $5 level, at the penny level. We have to be faithful to Jesus about everything because it adds up. It absolutely adds up. When I was a kid, I remember following my parents and if I wasn't holding their hand, because I've got ADD, bad. If I wasn't holding a hand, four seconds would go by and I'm, you know, this tall and there's people and I would let go and I would look at something and then turn back around and like, grab some man's hand and he's going, who's this kid? And I go, oh my gosh, I, have, I don't know where my parents are. We have to be faithful to Jesus, following him, tracking with him at every level all the time. The big issues, the $100 issues, the $5 issues, we can't let anything get in the way. So here's a couple things. You want to know what $5 issues are? Okay. Hold on. Alcohol. Let's talk about alcohol. Do Christians ever treat alcohol differently than what the Bible says? Yeah. Do we talk about it a lot? No. I'm saying let's treat alcohol exactly like the Word of God says. What do you think? Can we agree to treat alcohol exactly like the word of God says? Why are you not saying yes? Are you worried? Say yes. Some Christians believe alcohol is always bad and a good Christian should never, ever drink any alcohol. Even though Luke 7 strongly suggests that Jesus drank wine. He certainly made wine in John chapter 2. And Paul encouraged Timothy to drink wine to soothe his stomach. On the other hand, some Christians believe alcohol is fine and sometimes will imbibe too much. Even though Ephesians 5, Galatians 5, Isaiah 5, and 1 Thessalonians 5, and those are only the fives that I could find, says that drunkenness is absolutely, unequivocally a sin. The Bible says alcohol isn't always bad, but drunkenness is. That's what the Bible says. Are you going to live in alignment with the Bible? You should. You absolutely should. Let's talk about sex. I'm just looking around. 
You're all still here. Do Christians ever treat sex differently from what the Bible says? Yeah. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul explains that for unmarried people, God wants them to remain abstinent. That that is God's plan. And if they can't take abstinence, get married. That's what he says. If you can't take the passion, get married. Biblically, marriage is a precursor to sex. Yet plenty of unmarried Christians have sex before marriage and they think that it's just fine. Let's make sure we're lined up with Jesus on this one. Amen? Also, don't have sex outside your marriage. Amen? Amen. Who didn't say amen? (laughs) Number three on my list. I've got plenty, but I'll stop here. Violence. Okay? Violence. Can we agree to have a biblical alignment with what God says about violence. Say yes! Guys, if you're not ready to line up with the Bible, go somewhere else. All I want you to do is live for Jesus. All I want you to do is be closer to him. That's all that I want. I don't want you to follow my customs. I'm not trying to bring California over here. I don't want you to live your customs. I want you to live like the Bible says. Absolutely, all the time. You ready to live like the Bible says about violence? All right. Psalm 11, verse 5 says, God hates lovers of violence. I know several Christians who are my friends who like watching MMA, mixed martial arts, which is the bloody, uh, gruesome version of boxing. That's how I would, what I would call it. There are more things to say, but God hates lovers of violence. We should not enjoy violence. Violence should be detestable to us. We should line up with God on this one. Amen? Football's got helmets. I'm not, I'm not going after football right now. Um... The point is, make sure that your loyalty and your faith is solidly in Christ alone. Align your whole life to him and let him guide you. Let him be your Lord. Anything that you put in front of him is an idol. And we can't have that. We can't have that. When we look away, like Peter, we fall in the water. And so my challenge for us this morning is to think about a way that you're looking away from the Lord. Is there something in your life where if you were looking directly at Jesus, if you're looking directly at the cross and you are following him really faithfully, is there something in, in your life, some area where you've stopped looking at Jesus directly, where you're counting on something else to guide you, where you're hoping that you're not going to fall away. Things that, $5 issues, things that, it's not a big deal. I know what the Bible says, but it's not a real big deal. Let's line all of those things up 
for the glory of Christ. Let's live for him. Let's keep our eyes on him so that we don't fall in the water. Because that's where the Jews went wrong. That's the the warning that Paul gives. They became entrenched in their heritage, not their faith. They looked away, and when God sent Jesus, they didn't get it. And I don't want to be like that. But we all look away. We all look away. Maybe this morning you're thinking about something that you are looking away, uh, an area where you're looking away, something you need to give back to Jesus, something you need to submit back to him. Maybe you're feeling defensive, but maybe God still burdened your heart. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning you want to commit your life to being lined up for Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've never done that before. Listen to me. Maybe you've never, maybe you've believed in Jesus. Maybe you've believed who he is. Maybe you've believed what he's done for you, but you've never committed to lining your whole life up for Jesus. Maybe you want to do that this morning. Maybe God's pulling on your heart to cause you to do that. And maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus this morning. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like me and you read this passage and you hear what what the word of God says and you think, there are ways that I'm not locked in on Jesus. There are ways that I need, there are things that I need to do to give back to him. There are ways I need to get back on his path. There are things I need to cut out from my life. Maybe this morning you just want to just get rid of those things and say, I'm back and I'm sorry and I'm recommitting my life to being 100% for you, for your glory and for your kingdom. This morning, if you want to say, Jesus, I give you my everything, my everything, all of me. I will follow you and I will follow you alone no matter what, no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter what it takes. If you want to do that for the first time or you've done that a hundred times and you want to say that again this morning, we're going to have a time of, of reflection. And this is how I want you to respond. By coming forward and saying, I'm, re- I'm committing myself and all of the things that that entails to following Jesus 100%. And recommit yourself to Jesus this morning. And you've got a church of people that will love you and support you. You've got people in this room right now, right now, I guarantee it, who are praying that the Holy Spirit is moving in people's lives to cause them you to get up and to come forward and publicly say, I'm not perfect, but I want to follow Jesus with everything that I have. Donna's going to play a song, take some time to pray, and get up and come down here and recommit your life to Jesus, and then I will pray for us.